You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is the founder of BrewHoop.com and my good friend Frank Madden. And bringing you today's podcast is Himalaya. You can get Locked on Bucks on the brand new podcast and app Himalaya as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Bucks. Frank, uh, the playoffs are tearing us apart. Uh, we, uh, after games, you're you're either recording by yourself or finding people to record with, and schedules are even more difficult now. So we are, um, you know, it feels like I haven't talked to you in a while. So I, I have to ask, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. Um, you know, uh, had my my Wisconsin crew over for the game on Saturday, uh, so. Encouraging, I think, in general, just to see the Bucks take care of business yet again, even with Giannis um, kind of really, not, you know, having a pretty understated, disappointing game. Um, but I think, again, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about maybe the biggest value of this first round series is trying to just get other guys on track and get like the Bucks supporting cast in a rhythm and, you know, whatever. It's silly to act like, you know, if they play well in a few games here that like everything just automatically carries over. Uh, against the Celtics, who we now know will be the next team the Bucks will have to face. But um, I thought, you know, the Bucks have had probably three really good team wins. But um, I think if you're talking about like, you know, well-rounded games, um, you know, the fact that they were able to once again just really make it very undramatic and on the road uh, against this Pistons team that had Blake Griffin back and, you know, looking at least kind of like a sort of facsimile of, uninjured Blake Griffin. Um, the fact that they kind of absorbed any kind of emotional high that the Pistons might've had and, um, and just easily beat them <laughs> once again um, with a lot of guys contributing uh, ultimately to, to a one nineteen one Oh three win. I think that speaks very well for, for what the bucks are doing. And um, again, you know, I think with, with Boston already through to the next round, obviously uh, you want to take care of the series as soon as possible. And um wouldn't have shocked me if the Pistons had somehow, you know, won game three that that happens, even the good teams. But, um, you know, a lot of credit to, to Mike Budenholzer and, and the whole team for um, staying focused and and really just taking care of their business. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Saturday night was a really big night for the the Toronto fans that were in my mentions calling me a homer about Giannis always having a great night. Uh, big night for them. Because he wasn't great. I, I think that's, I mean, that's one, it's bad. Like he played bad, like by, by his standards, that's a bad night, like just flat out bad. Um, so like, I, I don't think there's any use kind of debating like, oh, you know, like, well, he impacted the game in these ways. Like, no, he was just bad. Um, but with that being said, like, you know, I think it's, 
it's a somewhat big night for for the rest of the team. Like just the fact that Giannis can play bad and you put up a a one twenty two point eight offensive rating. That's that's pretty impressive stuff. And whether or not it happened against the Detroit Pistons, like it, that that part to me, I'm gonna say doesn't matter. Like obviously, if they did it against an even better opponent, it'd be even more impressive. But you know, just the fact that. Giannis looked flat out like kind of lost like for most of the night, just like uncharacteristic turnovers and never really getting into flow and never really having much rhythm. And like he just, he didn't really look like himself in that game. And the Bucks just kind of said, okay, that's fine. We got this. And um, you know, whether that was uh, Middleton with 20 points on seven of 13 shooting Lopez with 19 points on eight of 13 shooting, or, you know, even Bledsoe, like he didn't have the most efficient night, like 19 points on eight of 19 shooting. But you know, there were certainly times where he just kind of said, okay, we need a bucket right now. I'm, I'm going to go get that. I'm going to go get this bucket for us. And then, you know, you, you look up and down the bench and you have uh Miritich, three of five, hitting threes, uh, which is nice uh, for 12 points. Uh, just hadn't really happened since he came back. George Hill, 11 points, five assists, five rebounds on three of seven shooting. And then, you know, you mentioned just being able to handle the emotional and, you know, mental and, I mean, I guess in some ways physical boost that, that Blake Griffin gave the Pistons. And I, I thought no one was bigger for that than Ersan Ilyasova. <laughs> him going three for three on his first three shots as he entered the game in the middle of the first quarter uh, was just huge for the Bucks. It, it, I think the ones he hit were he tied it at the Bucks were down 13, 10 and he ties it at 13. The Bucks were down 18, 13. He gets it to 16 uh, at 18, 16. I think Griffin gets a layup to go up 2016. And then he hits one to go to make it 2019. Bucks get a stop. Middleton hits a three and then they're up 22, 20. And they've kind of, you know, staved off that, that emotional uh, Blake return kind of energy. And I just thought it, it was, it was to me a really impressive win by this Bucks team. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny to look in the box score. Um, you know, you see Giannis at a minus seven and, you know, individual plus minus in a, in a single game is is oftentimes very deceiving. Um, we've talked about how Andre Drummond has probably not been that deceiving <laughs> in the first few games. But um, Giannis was a minus seven and it felt like the Bucks were better whenever he was on the bench because Ursan, as you said, came out and was really good, just hitting shots right away. Um, Miritich hit shots. Um, you know, they really did not miss a beat with, uh, with those guys coming in for, for Giannis. I think they probably, you know, defensively, they might've gotten a little lucky at times. Pistons might've just missed some shots when they were out there together. Um, but Brooke Lopez was great. And, you know, when you have Brooke Lopez playing as well as he was, um, you know, he hit a couple of like, I think there was one or two threes, um, that he hit like in the first (laughs) half where it was kind of like, okay, like Brooke is hitting, you know, 28 foot, like threes like that's always like a little bit of a bellwether for me for this team like when brooke is just gunning and just hits those shots like i it just i just feel like those are deflating the other team because it's just like you know jesus man like we got to deal with like all these weapons and then brooke <laughs> lopez is like raining down like you know bombs from from the logo on us like it, it, you know it's just kind of that a- that one uh i think it was a first quarter one where uh like drummond was like out 
to cover him. And then like Brooke kind of faked a back cut and then like came back out and caught it on the move at like 28 feet. And it was just like, I mean, what? Like, come on, man. Like that's, that's not fair. Like, you, you can't do that. Yeah. And I mean, it was, um, you know, it was an interesting game because, because obviously Giannis was, was not good. The Bucks really didn't really struggle to get rhythm when he, you know, with him specifically. And I felt like the kind of, the, the play I kind of kept, you know, he had some, some fumbled balls in the, in the, in the post where like the Pistons were able to kind of swarm him and he kind of just made mistakes and lost the ball. Um, and then the play that I kind of think back to, you know, he had some really impressive individual moves. Like I think he had one jump shot and otherwise all four of his buckets were very impressive. Just like one-on-one takes like that one he had where mm-hmm. he crossed over Drummond early in the second half. Yeah, that I thought nice. was a beautiful move. Um, but everything like he had to create, like, you know, there was that one play in the first half, I think it was a blood. So pick and roll where he caught it and like was going up, looked like for just like a monster dunk. And then he just like loses it. And yep. that felt like kind of like that ultimately was like basically the only time he like was in position for someone to get him in like an easy dunk or like an easy play. Like there was nothing really in, yep. tra- in transition. Like, you know, the maybe one time that he was going to do something like Zaza just like wrapped him up basically. Um, you know, but, but yeah. no, no easy dunks, like nothing really that he didn't have to just like create for himself out of nothing. And so, um, you know, again, like this has happened a bunch of times against the Pistons, like foul trouble is again, an issue. He has five fouls. Um, you know, like, I don't know, just some weird, like the, the, the play in the, what was it? The third quarter where Zaza set a screen and it looks like he knew that Zaza was there and he just like ran right through him. Like to get his fourth foul. Like, it's just, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what really was, was going on with Giannis, but just, I don't know. Some of it was just kind of, kind of strange. And, and, you know, again, like he's had a bunch of these games against Detroit this year now. Um, I mean, you look at it, like he was obviously like Thon had nothing for him in the first two games, but you know, they've played that. I, I think they've played them with Blake five times and really only one of those games has he looked like really honest, right? He had, like two kind of foul plagued or, you know, blowout games where they didn't really need him and he didn't look that great anyway. And then another game, I think he had 21 in Detroit, but like kind of never really got like going offensively. And then he had that one game where he scored 32 and they won. So I don't know. I mean, like you don't think of Blake as like being like a guy that shuts down Giannis, but Blake is strong. You know, I mean, he's not like, you know, we don't think of him as a defensive player. He's obviously not like a guy who's like going to be like a help defender. Um, But just as far as like, can Giannis just barrel through him easily? Like he had that one incredible dunk on him this year where he just, <laughs> like, just put his shoulder in and dunked on him. But, you know, for the most part, yep. he hasn't really like been able to kind of just have his way with, with Blake in particular. And tonight, I don't know. I just, it just felt like they couldn't get him anything easy to really get him going. And he missed threes again. So um, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I mean, it, obviously good to get these types of games out of the way against the Pistons because, you know, I mean, he's going to be the microscope next next round, you know, assuming the Bucks get there, obviously, at this point. But, um, you know, if he has a game like this against the Celtics, um, all the morning Ooh, TV baby. shows are going to go nuts. Right? Um, probably, yeah. probably also helped that he did this the night that James Harden started a game 0 for 15. Um, and yep. interesting that, that both guys, you know, really were very underwhelming um, relative to what we're expecting of them and, and their teams each want which I think says a lot about, you know, the Rockets in particular, how well that they've come around, you know, from how bad they were. Um, probably not as surprising for the Bucks. I mean, this Bucks team has been able to weather Giannis not being great. Um, 
but uh but certainly yeah i mean again like i think uh you know it's funny to to that we're now three games into the first round series and obviously this game it was more a foul trouble issue but um for Giannis to be three games into the playoffs and have yet to crack 30 minutes um <laughs> it's pretty pretty funny when you think about it and um i'd say uh you know again not not a bad thing when you think about that that you want to be playing for the next uh, couple months um or, or i should say month and a half or so um but uh yeah i mean again like bucks just continue to take care of business and um you know ultimately that's that's all you can ask for yeah you know i think blake is ultimately just kind of an interesting defender because like you don't I know there was, you know, a debate about whether or not Giannis's handle is loose or or whatever, but like I think largely it it's, you know, more effective than pretty. Um, but most of the time like people don't strip him and just seeing Blake like find a way two, maybe three times to like somehow, you know, poke a ball out while he's He's like kind of backing him down or like trying to get into a post position. Like you just don't really see that. Like you see people reach, like don't get me wrong, but you don't really see people reach and, and poke it away. And if they do poke it away, it's like just slightly, right? Like it, it's a, it's enough where Giannis can ultimately control it and then handle a double team or whatever it may be. And, you know, it, it was just so strange to me to, you know, see two possessions last night where right as he's like, putting his back to Blake to, you know, start backing him down. Blake was somehow able to, to poke it away. Like that, that just doesn't really happen to Giannis. And, you know, I think it's strange to, to see that. And then like on top of it, you have in Blake Griffin, a guy that can kind of move his feet and stay in front of him. And then, you know, I think the, the thing that we're seeing with, with the Pistons is, you know, kind of what we'll see throughout this postseason, And it's, teams kind of figuring out that you you can't concede ground against Giannis. Like if you concede ground, he, he's just going to put you under the rim. You have to decide consciously that there's going to be a meeting point somewhere that you're going to meet Giannis somewhere. And it should probably be around the free throw line or above. And, you know, I, I think with Blake, like he's quick, he, he can kind of move. And then he's making that meeting point right around there, right when Giannis makes his move. And, you know, I think ultimately it's making making Giannis a, a little bit uncomfortable. And again, like other teams will probably figure that out, but I don't know that other teams will have someone that is that mixture of, you know, speed and quickness and strength that Blake has that you, that you earlier mentioned. Like, I, I don't, and again, like, I don't, I don't, uh, I've said this many times, I don't think there's really a blueprint for shutting down Giannis. And I also think that if Giannis plays more than 30 minutes in any of these games, he probably finds a little bit more rhythm like throughout uh, just because he's he's able to have more chances and, and feel a little bit more flow. But, you know, like this is, this is going to be it. Like teams trying to move that meeting point up the floor and then flop. That's, that's going to be, that's going to be everyone's MO. Because if you can get, three follow Giannis, four follow Giannis. Like if you can get that version of Giannis, you've done a lot. Like you've done a lot to, to really make him uncomfortable and you've done a lot to, to kind of slow him down. And I think the, the, the Pistons have been of all the teams this year, uh, more, 
more obviously trying to flop <laughs> than, than other teams like that. That very much has been their MO. That's very much been something that Dwayne Casey has kind of preached to his team. But, uh, you know, I think other teams are going to watch this video and, and kind of decide to do the same thing. And, you know, when you look at who their next round opponent is going to be, like you look at Boston, like could, could Morris like slide up the floor and start flopping all over the place. And ultimately if he gets in foul trouble and not matter. Yeah. Like it, is that a big deal to the Celtics? Like probably not. Like if, if he picks up a, a couple cheap ones trying to flop, like I don't think that'd be a big deal. Um, so I think that is what we're, we're what we're going to kind of see from teams as the, as the playoffs kind of roll forward. Yeah. I mean, and, and I didn't say it, but Blake, like the threat of Blake flopping is obviously uh, another big thing that he has quote mm-hmm. unquote going for him, which, um, you know, like somebody like Thon doesn't have, right? Thon does like doesn't know how to flop. He's not savvy yeah. like that. He just wants to try to defend you. I and mean, we actually saw Thon block a shot of Giannis's for a change tonight. Um, I guess that's a good reason you knew that it wasn't Giannis's night that Thon actually blocked a layup attempt by him. Um, but uh, but we'll be interesting to see. I mean, we'll I think you know, and again, hopefully we can talk about it after Monday night's game because hopefully the Bucks sweep Monday night and don't have to deal with another game this week. But um, we'll be very interested to see kind of what Boston does. I mean, Boston's gotten into a rhythm. Uh, well, well, they've won four. They, they, they beat the Pacers four times in a row with, with the Towns Horford um, combination up front. I will, I would stop short of saying that they were in a great rhythm, especially offensively. Cause you know, there was a lot of <laughs> rock fight ish quality to, well, most of the games in that yes. series. Um, so kind of like good news, bad news. Like the good news is Boston is not like looking like an offensive machine as well as some guys have obviously had some really good stretches or really good individual games. Um, you know, like they're not looking like, um, you know, the, the, you know, the peak warriors or something like that offensively right now. Um, but defensively, obviously Indiana, I mean, I think a lot of probably is of their own, lack of talent and just, I mean, just some of the, the, the late game play by, by Indiana has been just ugly, but, um, but yeah, we can talk about that later this week, hopefully, or, or after tomorrow, hopefully. Um, but I think likely the entirety the, of the week, uh, cause yeah, they're, they're not going to play yeah, for a we'll while. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, the, um, do, do we know, do you know if the Bucks win tomorrow? Do you know when they would actually start the series? I, I have not looked it up, but I've had a few people ask and I, I don't think, think the, I don't think the league has made any of those times official. I believe Saturday okay. or Sunday ish sounds right. Uh, but I don't, I don't think they've made any of that official. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I've probably the most interesting question obviously is, you know, when, what does that mean for Malcolm Brogdon's availability? And I guess Marcus Smart's availability, though it sounds like, I don't know, we haven't heard anything that suggests Marcus Smart is doing well enough that he will come back early for the second round. But obviously with Brogdon, that, that's a big question. Yep. Um, but I thought, I mean, speaking of injuries and guys trying to get rhythm, I mean, I thought you mentioned Miritich. I mean, just seeing like that first three go down for Miritich, I think it was a huge sigh of relief for everybody. And um, for him to then, you know, make make a couple more threes and just generally look like, okay, yeah, that's like old Nico, right? And yep. we know that he's going to be inconsistent, but obviously, um, like we were talking about the other day, I mean, Miritich is going to play. Like, I, I don't know. My, my view is like, you know, unless he hurt himself again or something, like I, I was, I, w- I would be very surprised if, if he was, you know, if his minutes were really in danger for the Boston series, at least to start it. Um, so obviously for him to play is important because we know he's going to be playing. And same goes for Ursan. I mean, Ursan has really had in general, 
like a good couple of months. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like he had that horrible stretch, you know, which kind of also was dovetailing with, you know, Will DJ Wilson looking good. Yep. And we were all obviously like, well, geez, like, you know, is is Bud's faith in Ursan gonna be like part of the downfall of this team? And in the playoffs, right? Like could that be like an Achilles heel, like Bud just overly trusting Ursan? And, you know, that was even before the Miritich move. And, you know, Ursan has I mean, I think Ursan has justified being the first guy off the bench, right? I mean, he's I think he's played well enough, he's shot the ball well enough. Um defensively i don't think we've seen him like completely exploited the way we have at various points in the season i mean i think you know again i'm very nervous about like a raptor series i think the celtics especially if they go smaller can make me very nervous in the way they can match up with our son and maybe put him um in bad defensive defensive matchups but um i give him a lot of credit and it's really important that you know if if Ursan and Nico are going to be the guys that that Bud is ultimately going to trust that those guys are come out of this series playing well and and you know again just you know not not injured like you know in in some kind of rhythm and um you know again I I really don't want to see those guys playing minutes together <laughs> much um yeah. but uh but it'll be interesting to see and and flip side DJ Wilson interesting we saw DJ playing in a three big lineup early in this game um, you know, people might remember in December playing the Pistons, that was kind of like his breakout game in a lot of ways. Like yep. he had a re- him and Sterling actually had some great possessions defending Blake, just generally playing well. Um, this was absolutely not a game to remember for DJ Wilson. Uh, he got, you know, I mean, Blake kind of, I think it was Blake, uh, was it Blake both times? I think it was both times, right? That, it was Blake. Yeah. yeah. Um, Blake got an and one just driving at him, uh, pretty much immediately and then DJ was trying to front him and they threw it right over the top and then he he fouled Blake again for for an and one so very forgettable few minutes for DJ um and so certainly nothing that would um do anything to uh dissuade Mike Budenholzer from going with with those other guys as his primary options off the bench so definitely um you know interesting data points you know certainly as as we kind of look forward um but uh but yeah I mean again I think Miritich and uh, and and Ursan playing well, I thought you. I mean, you hit it right. Like Ursan hitting those threes, I thought that was just so deflating for for <laughs> Detroit. I, did, I I'm actually curious because um, on the broadcast, um, it was a little weird because Chauncey Billups was doing the colorful game, and he was you know of course talking about how great things are. But that's because like he was also talking about how the fans like tell him that they love him so much. So he's not really a, an unbiased narrator as a former member of the Pistons who mm-hmm. <laughs> has to say great things about the Pistons. I, I don't know. I didn't, yes. I didn't really get the sense that the Pistons crowd was like, I don't know on TV. Like it didn't seem like it was like, Oh man, playoff Pistons. Like, you know, this, this team in this new building has not had a very good reputation as far as being a difficult place to play. What was your read on it being in the building? Like, uh, I, I mean, not that the Pistons gave their crowd like an extended period to really like have a lot to cheer about, but I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get the sense. I, let's just say this. I thought that, that it might've been more of an, more of a, a thing than maybe it was at least on TV, but you were obviously there. I thought when Reggie Jackson hit that three to go up five, nothing. And when, Oh man, who hit the three to go up 13, 10, it was on a Blake kick out uh, to the corner three. Was it Wayne Ellington or yeah, it might've been Ellington. Those two moments. I was like, no, okay. Like this is, this is a playoff game in a brand new building. 
Like, okay. <laughs> that, that, they, I thought they brought it in those two moments. Like, and it, it, it was a legit sellout. Like there was not, it was not like a say this game was sold out and only like 75% of, of the places filled. Like it, it was, it was legit. Like I thought, I thought they brought it in those two moments and then, you know, well, the, the Bucks kind of took care of business after that. Uh, so I think it made it made it kind of tough, but I thought they were they were in it to start it. But, you know, when when you're getting just beat up by the Bucks and Ursan is hitting uh, dribble handoff threes from Chris Middleton on you, like uh, you're probably going to get a little bit quieter there. Um, so I, I thought it was, I thought it was legit. I would say I, I thought it was a pretty legit crowd. Um, I'm not expecting a, a whole lot from game four. I, I think game three was kind of the, was kind of the moment, uh, you know, Saturday night in first game in our first playoff game in Little Seas Arena, Blake is back. Like I, I thought all of that, you know, w- was good and you could kind of feel it, but, um, I'm not, I, I would say I didn't feel it kind of the rest of the game. And I mean, it didn't even really feel like there was like false comebacks, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, in the past when when the Bucks have been a lower seed and then all of a sudden they come back and the crowd can kind of get into it. Like the Pistons didn't really even have those moments. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was legit. Uh, I, I will give them credit for, for the start of that game. But as it went on, you could kind of just hear the crowd kind of peter out. Yeah, and I mean, I think they said there were what three three periods, three stretches where the Pistons missed like eight straight shots from the field or something to that effect. That's a killer, um, you know. And and ultimately, overall, I mean, you look at the numbers, um, you know, they they hit eleven out of thirty six from three. Again, like not horrendous, but not good. Um, Bucks fourteen out of thirty eight. Uh, you know, it, it's just tough. Like, because if you're the Pistons, like, I mean, you're you're not as prolific a three-point shooting team is the Bucks anyway and the Bucks are really hard to beat in terms of like being besting them from a paint points perspective and you know again like I, I talked about it after game two they shot under 40 percent on twos in that game they shoot 43 percent tonight um you know again like they they were only minus four uh from Detroit's perspective in the paint um but you know they didn't they didn't even win the mid the mid-range game uh which you know again like okay, we can do the math here. Like they were outscored in the paint from the mid range and three. Yeah. You're pretty much not going to win a game unless you make a billion free throws. And um, obviously we know the piss, the bucks do a good job of, of, you know, typically limiting opponent uh, opportunities at the line. And, and in this series in particular, I mean, you know, they're fouling Drummond and they are not afraid at all of what Andre Drummond can do from the foul line. He was too out of eight and, and had some late dunks. Um, you know, to kind of make his, his stat line look a little bit more flattering. But um, I mean, he's just, he's been just such a, he's just so tough to play in this series. I mean, just with the way that, that Lopez can just camp under the rim um, and not worry about him at all. Um, you know, just man, every time he shoots like an eight foot, like hook shot or something like that, <laughs> like, cause they're just begging him to. And it's just like, man, this guy's got no touch at all. Um it's it's just difficult and he hasn't been obviously you know tonight he has eight or, or saturday has eight offensive rebounds i think that was the first time that you know he actually like really felt like he, he got some offensive rebounds for at least mm-hmm. a change but you know again it's like halftime it's like it seems like he's missing missing putbacks as well um so it's just it, it's just rough um been a rough series for for Drummond and, overall 
was gonna say in that matchup, uh, I I ran it through manually uh, last night, and uh, it's it's staggering when Lopez is on the floor and Drummond is on the floor. The Bucks have outscored the Pistons by seventy three. The margin of victory in the series is seventy two. Yeah. So like in those moments, the Bucks are actually minus one when those two aren't on the floor. And again, like that there's some, obviously there's going to be noise in some of that, but like it's that staggering. Like you can't play him against Brooke Lopez. Like he just, he has nothing for Brooke. He has absolutely nothing. Like he, he he's uncomfortable out where Brooke takes him. Brooke is, you know, driving on pump fakes. Uh, when Drummond gets the ball in close, like he can't finish over Brooke. Brooke is too strong for him. Like the, uh, Drummond, like he doesn't really have moves when he's around the basket. It's kind of just like, okay, I'm going to put my left shoulder into you. And a lot of times that'll move guys because they're not big enough for him. And then, you know, he can kind of dunk in those or, you know, even if he can't dunk, like he can get to a hook. And with Brooke, it's just like, okay, you put your left shoulder into me. I'm still standing here. Uh, You have not moved me at all. And it it, like it's it's staggering kind of to think through um, one just how good Brooke Lopez has been this year and just kind of is for the Bucks. Just the fact that, you know, he can be the hub uh, defensively at the rim. He can go out and stretch the floor. And then two, just like how, how quickly the game has changed in, in many ways. And, you know, how, how weird Andre Drummond's game is in, in the modern NBA. And again, like there, there might be other times where this works out. Uh, you know, maybe there's other series where he gets someone smaller than Brooke uh, to, to play against, but also in the Eastern conference, like, you know, it, as we're looking at the the top teams in the Eastern conference, like there's a bunch of bigs that would make them look silly. Like that's, those are just kind of the facts is facts of life. And, you know, I think you can kind of say the th- same thing for some of the top teams in the Western conference. So um, trying to figure out what, Andre Drummond uh, is going forward is really going to, I don't, I don't know how the Pistons figure that one out, but luckily this is a Bucks podcast, not a Pistons podcast. Cause we don't, we don't have to talk about that at all. Um, one thing I want to talk about, I, I, it was funny looking at the box score and seeing Bledsoe 19 points on 19 shots, four turnovers, five assists. Like it, it, it felt like Eric Bledsoe had a much more, and he was plus seven. So he wasn't like, like, Lopez and Middleton were plus 27, plus 21. They're like, it, it's funny because it felt like Bledsoe, like it felt like the most, like in a lot of ways, like the most significant and deflating plays of the game for the box, or at least from the Pistons perspective, um, came from Bledsoe. Um, like he made some really acrobatic layups in the first period. We saw him, you know, doing his, you know, excellent body control in transition plays he had had some lefty finishes and then he has you know in the third quarter he has i think three straight um restricted area baskets um including two dunks in a row out of half court which you know is just like you know okay eric bledsoe super athletic but you know he shouldn't be getting dunks in half court unless you know the defense is really not not doing its job um and that one i think was right before they 
called the timeout. You know, he just literally blew. <laughs> it was a blow by, and then there was just like nobody in the middle of the lane. And again, like this is where having four spacers matters because Eric Bledsoe is just yeah. cruising on down and getting his dunk. So it was kind of funny because you know Bledsoe has has been really good in this series, um, and statistically, this was really not a particularly good game for him. Um, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, but it felt like he really made plays that that mattered and that you know kind of made sure that the Bucks were very much, you know, maintaining the momentum throughout. Whereas, you know, Middleton had a couple, like, just, you know, he's, he seems like he's done this in almost every game. Like he just like pulls up for a couple threes that are just like, you know, kind of backbreaker type plays, but it's, it's felt like he's like been very Chris Middleton ish about his, his play. Like he's been just sort of like really kind of just like consistent, almost quiet, um, you know, kind of understated, but then you look at, um, you know, you look at the numbers and, um, you know, he's been really good in the series, um, you know, 47% from threes. Um, you know, and, and again, like, uh, you know, he's at 19.3 points per game, but almost 24 per 36, because he's also uh, averaging under under 30 minutes per game. He's per 36 right now. Um, let's see, what are his per 36 numbers? It's 24 points, seven boards, six and a half assists per game right now on basically 47%, 47%, 92% splits. So, um, Middleton is playing well and Bledsoe, I mean, Bledsoe leads the team in playoff PER, leads the team in playoff BPM. Like, you know, even with his inefficient night, um, on Saturday, he has still been really good. And, you know, we can talk about Ursan and, and Miritich and, you know, those guys playing well, obviously it matters, but, um, you know, Middleton and Bledsoe playing really well here. Lopez playing well. Um, all that's important because I mean, again, like you hope you get Apex Giannis against the Celtics, but you're going to need other dudes. Um, and, and that's been why this team has been so good. Giannis being the tip of the spear, all these other guys, um, you know, flying close behind and, and complimenting him. And um, I think certainly, you know, they just need to do it one more time here against Detroit. And then obviously, um, you know, a real challenge in the second round against Boston. Yeah. It, and I mean, I think it's, I think he kind of described it like, you know, I think Bledsoe is often good in a loud way and Middleton is often good in a very quiet way, right? Like that's, I think, befitting of them as as players and and kind of what they do stylistically because, you know, like you mentioned some of those threes that Chris hits, like it's just, I mean, that one I mentioned to make it 22-19, that was... uh, that was a that was a pull up in transition, like a step back pull up in transition to put the books up twenty two nineteen and totally take out anything that they like. You know, as you're thinking through, like, okay, are, are the Pistons going to kind of pull away here? Are you know they going to give themselves a, a nice big cushion as they head into the second quarter? And it was just like, okay, three yards on threes, and then Chris hits a pull up, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I guess that's not happening, um, and. You mentioned what is it forty some percent from the three point line for Chris? Like yeah. that that's the big one, right? Like if he's hitting threes, um, all of those shots, like you can you can have worse nights uh, from the field, or you know, like not shoot quite as well as as long as you if you're hitting a bunch of threes, and like that is really just uh, just kind of a. a I mean, in many ways, a game changer. Like if he's hitting those threes and many of them off the dribble, um, you know, I talked to to Bud about it after the game and against this Pistons team, they don't need a ton of go get a bucket type possessions, but 
Chris and Eric both had a bunch of go get a bucket type possessions last night. And, and that is that that's winning basketball in the playoffs. Like obviously uh Bud is always going to talk about ball movement and cutting and making the right plays. And, and those things are important, but, you know, when, when you're going up against the Boston Celtics, like they're going to scheme a bunch of stuff away and you're going to have to have guys that can go get their own. And through three games, again, it's the Pistons. I, I will keep throwing that qualifier in, but, you know, through th- three games, both Bloodsoe and Middleton have shown that ability. And and that to me is really big that if, if those two can both find ways to, to get bu- – to get buckets in isolation, it, you, you've really become a difficult team to stop because obviously Giannis is going to be fantastic most nights. And if you can get that, it's really big. So um, I think really good signs from both of those guys early here in the playoffs. And, and again, it's the Pistons, I know. But uh, I think good stuff from them. For sure. Um, what are you looking for here in game four? I mean, I don't know. I, w- I would just say like um... – you know, I, I think I'm just looking for kind of the, the killer instinct on the Bucks here. You know, I mean, it's this is where you've got kind of, you know, your, you know, stomp them out type mentality. Right. And I think it's a it's a test, obviously, of Detroit, which is, you know, not shown a lot of fight all series long. Like, do they have anything really left or, you know, even you know, just emotionally, psychologically, like, can you actually get up for a game four when you know, you just, in theory, should have been as up as you ever were in game three, coming home, still having at least vaguely a shot in your mind with Blake coming back. And, you know, even in that game, you just you yep. just didn't really have it, right? Um, I mean, I think, I think really for me, the only thing that, you know, the only thing that can really kind of prolong this series is just some kind of outlier bad luck shooting night from the Bucks. you know, just everybody just missing all their shots or something and you know detroit just making yep. shots because i don't know i don't feel like in the trenches like the the bucks are going to lose this game um you know I, I just don't i just don't see the team just just again just psychologically it's really hard for a team down 3-0 to have kind of that like fight and will and obviously you know they're not as talented to begin with so um to me that's kind of the interesting thing like how do the pistons come out and you know, from a Bucks perspective, like, you know, I, I would have been happy if they had come out and just sort of kept it close in the first quarter on Saturday, you know, just, just kind of hang around, absorb that initial, you know, kind of wave of energy and then, you know, exert your will. And, you know, they kind of did the opposite. I think they were up like eight, I think at the end of the first quarter and, you know, kind of a similar thing here. Like, you know, I think you have an even better chance to, to jump on them early and, and really test them to see how much, how much will they have left after, after losing three games and, and really decided kind of unconvincing fashion from, from their perspective. Yeah. Uh, this feels like a, a first quarter. I don't want to say like a first quarter game, but I think the game can be decided in the first quarter. If, if the bucks really take care of business, if, if they just come out and, you know, kind of stomp out the Pistons early, like I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Pistons fold pretty quickly because, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot left for them to, to play for. Um, like it's, it's just not, uh, I'm not going to say like their pride is already gone, but as you said, like game three was the one that, you know, you can really kind of attempt to make this a series. You're getting this huge emotional bump from Blake returning and they, they did it and they brought it in the first quarter and the Bucks were just like, that's that's it's not going to be enough. We we are better than you, and you know I think the Bucks could do much of the same. Uh, 
in, in game four and, and finish off the series and, and get themselves a, a bunch of days off and get themselves ready for the Boston Celtics. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be what I'm looking for. I think that's about all we have uh, for tonight. It, it was nice to actually talk about a game with you, Frank. Uh, it doesn't happen much here in the playoffs since uh, I'm right after every game. And uh, while I'm here, I will certainly plug, uh, you know, taking a look at what I, I'm doing at The Athletic after games, um, having a lot of fun writing those stories. So hopefully uh, you enjoy those and hopefully you enjoy everything we do here on Lockdown Bucks. Remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Lockdown Bucks on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Lockdown Bucks. A big thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya podcast app. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your own, your podcasts. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Bucks. That's going to be it for us for today. For Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. Frank will talk to you after game four. Uh, so that will that'll be what you guys have coming up next. That's going to be it for us for today. We'll talk to you guys later.